This is Kansas City Today. I'm Nomi Nujia-Dean. Today is Wednesday, December 1st. Coming up, how Kevin Strickland, newly freed from prison after more than 40 years, is adjusting to his new life, and why the state of Missouri won't financially compensate him for being wrongfully convicted. But first, some headlines. New COVID cases and hospitalizations are rising in the Kansas City area in what doctors call a worsening local trend for the pandemic. KCUR's Alex Smith reports. More than 800 new COVID-19 cases were reported in the Kansas City area on Tuesday, which includes many that went unreported over the Thanksgiving holiday. The average number of new cases per date now exceeds 400, the highest level since September, and daily hospitalizations have also climbed in recent weeks. Speaking Tuesday morning, KU's Dr. Stephen Stite said the hospital's high patient count suggests a dangerous turn. The challenge has been that the lack of reporting over the holidays makes it especially difficult to know what the numbers are. But hospitalization, those are a real number. So that jump to 27, I think, heralds perhaps yet another wave that we have to be thinking about. Case rates in Kansas and Missouri remain higher than the national average, but are still below the COVID hotspots in northern states. For KCUR 89.3, I'm Alex Smith. Health officials say there's no sign of the new Omicron variant in either Kansas or Missouri. Today, the U.S. Supreme Court will hear a case challenging federal protections of abortion rights. Abigail Sensky reports the outcome could have a big impact on Kansas. The Supreme Court could weaken or overturn Roe v. Wade after hearing the case from Mississippi, where a state law bans abortions at 15 weeks. That might send even more patients to Kansas. Elizabeth Nash is a state policy analyst with the Guttmacher Institute. She says it's not unusual for around half the patients getting abortions in Kansas to be from out of state. But the number is already going up as other states tighten abortion rules. What you have seen in the, in the past year is a bit of an uptick in the number of abortions provided to those who are from Oklahoma and Texas. Last year, the number of out-of-state residents who came to get an abortion in Kansas went up 15 percent. The Kansas State Employees Union says not enough is being done to protect workers at the Lansing Correctional Facility, where an officer was hospitalized after an attack Monday. KCUR's Carlos Moreno has more. Union President Sarah LaFriend says the officer was working alone inside a maximum security unit with 100 inmates when he was assaulted by an inmate swinging a bar of soap inside a sock. This is the second attack this month at Lansing. On November 3rd, a female officer was sent to the ICU after being attacked by an inmate wielding a padlock attached to a belt. Since then, LaFriend said she's heard no reports of staffing changes, policy updates, or any other measures to alleviate dangerous conditions at Lansing. Kansas City is gathering public input about the busiest roads in the metro, with the goal of improving infrastructure for mass transit and bicycles. At an outreach event yesterday morning, canvassers polled residents and workers along 11th and 12th streets about their concerns. Aaron Pelse works and lives downtown, and he noted a lot of issues with buses in the area. And I'm all the time seeing like buses honking at other buses because one's running late trying to catch the other one and 20 people go darting down the street trying to catch it before it drives off. The city will continue to conduct public engagement events until the spring. Then it will determine how or if to make any infrastructure changes. Coming up, why Missouri only compensates some people who are wrongfully imprisoned. I'm Nomi Nujia-Dean. This is Kansas City Today. 
At UMB Private Wealth Management, a division of UMB Bank, UMB always puts your interests first. UMB's registered advisors are fiduciaries, so that means they are legally and ethically required to only recommend investments that are the best fit for your individual circumstances. UMB provides one-on-one guidance to help you make savvy financial choices on your wealth-building journey. Tap into high-touch financial planning services so you can earn, grow, and create the life you want. Learn more at umb.com slash wealth hyphen management. This is Kansas City Today. I'm Nomi Nujia Dean. Kevin Strickland was freed from prison last week after being exonerated of the triple murder he was convicted of in the late 70s. Now he has to get used to life on the outside. On KCUR's Up to Date, Steve Kraske spoke to two people about the biggest challenges Strickland will face. Here's Steve with Sean O'Brien, a University of Missouri-Kansas City law professor, and Marilyn Chappell, founder and executive director of Nonprofit Exceeds Expectations, which helps formerly incarcerated people re-enter society. Marilyn, nice to have you. Welcome. Thank you for inviting me. Sean, good to have you. Good to be here. So, Marilyn, have you ever come across a case quite like Kevin Strickland's? I mean, 43 years in prison, no compensation whatsoever from the state, state, despite the fact he was wrongfully imprisoned, and now a GoFundMe campaign that raises $1.6 million. What do you make of it all? I've never seen nothing like it. I think it's a blessing that, you know, people across the world is coming together and, you know, finding this uh, issue and making sure that he is being compensated by their means. Right. I think that's awesome. How about you, Sean? Any, ever seen anything like it? Uh, not like this. Not with this kind of money just sitting there, you know, literally a couple of days after you get out. This is extraordinarily rare. Hmm. How is he doing, by the way? Um, you know, he is um, looking for a place to live. Um, he is reaching out for help. Uh, he's been spending a lot of time with Ricky Kidd, who uh, has had a similar experience. experience. He's been here on the show, yeah. Right, after 23 years, so uh, just a little over half the amount of time mm-hmm. that uh, Kevin has been in prison, but still uh, long enough that he can relate. Sean, why didn't Kevin Strickland qualify for any compensation from the state of Missouri? Explain that to me. How can that possibly be? The compensation statute is written very narrowly. The only people who are eligible for compensation are people who applied to the court through a particular statutory procedure to have DNA evidence tested and then have that DNA evidence prove their innocence and be released based on the DNA evidence through that statutory procedure. And that wasn't the case in Kevin Strickland's uh, Right. Yeah. That's actually a rare event. Uh, since that statute's been in effect, gosh, almost 15 years now, um, you can count on your fingers the number of people who have qualified for that compensation and have fingers left over. So not very many people, just a handful. Any sense of why the state wrote that law so narrowly? 
Um, not really. I mean, you hate to wor- use words like stingy or, you know, they're protecting, of course, the public coffers. There's always a concern that, you know, somebody would get the compensation that they're not entitled to. And Missouri is a fiscally conservative state, except when it comes to lawmakers' salaries and pension plans. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Other than that, they're very conservative uh, with their funds. And so the compensation itself, if you do qualify for it, um, is very limited. It's it's 75% of the poverty level for each year of your sentence. Totally unlike Kansas, where I was going to ask you. Yeah, Kansas, you can go to the ju- to a judge and ask for a certificate of innocence, um, and if the judge issues that certificate, then you qualify for seventy thousand dollars a year for each year of your incarceration. So, Marilyn Chapel, this idea again, Marilyn's founder and executive director for Exceeds Expectations, that works with folks coming out of jail. What Sean just said, this idea of people coming out of prison and having nothing, I bet you see this all the time. And how do you how do you make a run at life with nothing in your pocket? I'm like you guys. It's it's, it's just it leaves you in awe to expect someone coming out of prison right. um, that is not used to uh, being in society over you know long periods of time, um, whether it's, you know, five years, 10 years, there's a lot of time has went by, the world is changing. And now you're saying, okay, now go make a life, Mm -hmm. you know, and so that that's a concern for me, because we're setting them up for failure. And we have to start looking at that from a different perspective and begin to uh, put programs in place to where it's mandatory. It's a requirement, not go find the resources yourself. Speaking of having no programs in place, what was provided to Kevin Strickland to help prepare him for a life outside of prison in the weeks and months that were uh, he was going through this courtroom drama with the attorney general and everything else? Um, nothing was provided. You know, hmm. here he has been sitting in jail hoping that this day will come. And yes, it is a blessing that the day did come. But my concern now is where was the pre-release program? to prepare him for society, prepare him and set him up for success. And just to allow him to create a mindset of, you know, one day I am going to get out. And when I get out, these are some of my action steps. He didn't have that. Hmm. Nothing at all. Does the state provide him with those programs, the mental health you're talking about, the mentoring you're referring to here? Not at all. Nothing. Nothing. Yeah. Go out and find it. I do want to say there is a local organization called Miracle of Innocence that was formed by two exonerees, Daryl Burton and Lamont McIntyre. Sure. And they do uh, use a different approach to representing a client. So had they been representing uh, Kevin or had they been involved in the case earlier – They go into the prison uh, with exonerees, with social workers, uh, and they they help prepare them for that day 
when they get out, and then they provide continued support afterward. But this is an outside. This is great. This is an outside group doing that. The state of Missouri, though, Sean, is it is it doing anything here? No, the state of Missouri is doing nothing. That's breathtaking to me. This is two two thousand twenty one. It is. It is, and and it it accentuates the fact that we don't have a social safety net for anybody in America, really. Mm. <laughs> but uh, exonerees are. Uh, even worse in the sense that you know, they don't need to be on parole because, right, they're not criminals. Right. But they don't have the equivalent of a parole officer telling them, uh, here's a job lead, here's some benefits for you, here's a mental health counseling, here's, you know, this or that. There is nothing, nothing. out there for folks who have been in prison wrongfully. They get out and there is nothing awaiting them in terms of help to get them restarted again. The Missouri government does not do a damn thing. You know, Marilyn, uh, the idea that uh, folks in prison, even for 30 days or in jail for 30 days, uh, can have trouble when they come out because they've lost their apartment, they've lost their girlfriend. Does that resonate with you based on the experience you've had with Exceeds Expectations? Absolutely. And and, and not just um, experience with um, our nonprofit Exceeds Expectations, but even it hits home personally. My husband was once incarcerated. He now owns his own business. He now employs individuals as well as formerly incarcerated individuals. Yeah. Having to uh, select that box that you were a convicted felon, that is real. Mm-hmm. You know, we even still put that on there too. We want you to be honest and be upfront. But what's the cost of being honest sometimes when you have convicted a felon? You may not get that job. And even though people should not discriminate against it, you have a lot of um, companies who do silently, right? You know, but you also have a lot of businesses out there who do offer employment to, to felons. That was KCUR Steve Kraske speaking to UMKC professor Sean O'Brien and founder of nonprofit Exceeds Expectations, Marilyn Chapel. This is Kansas City Today. I'm Nomi Nujia Dean. This podcast was produced by Byron Love and edited by Lisa Rodriguez and Gabe Rosenberg. For more of our coverage of Kevin Strickland's case, visit KCUR.org, where you can also hear a live stream of Kansas City's NPR station. If you like our show, please rate and review us on your favorite podcast app or leave us a voicemail at 816-235-8930 with your thoughts. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you soon. 